are doing well and welcome back to star wars escape pod i'm your host josh and we have blake joining us today blake is our co-host on the show and we're going to be reviewing the second episode of the bad batch for you guys just chatting about it speculating on future episodes of course uh, we look forward to our complete after show down the road with diego who's uh, gonna transition into that one when he can but uh, in the meantime we have these weekly reviews for you guys Getting caught up slowly on the show. Hopefully, guys, you've, you've been enjoying it as well. I know I have. Let's get into it with Blake and chat all about this second episode in the Bad Batch series. Another happy landing. All right, welcome back into the escape pod, Mr. Blake. Hello there. Yep, always good. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you back. We have our second review of this uh, this series now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, unlike unlike the first episode, which was a lot longer, running at 70 minutes, this one was uh, was shorter, but still still not 22 episodes 22 minutes you know that's that's something i really like about these disney plus animated shows and what they did with the clone war season seven was that they tacked on those extra 10 minutes to make it like a a rough 30 minutes or so of an episode i didn't even notice i was looking at (laughs) timestamps. it's it's been cool because like i think i feel like the episode benefits a lot from having just those additional extra couple minutes you know um, I bet you if I go back and watch one episode on television, original Clone Wars, it'll feel short. <laughs> I, I bet, I bet you, yeah, because it's it's an extra ten minutes, and there's a lot that you can do in an extra ten minutes with storytelling that that I think before might have been a challenge for Dave, mm-hmm. and and the reason why they did these three part story arcs, as well as in Star Wars Rebels, which didn't have the arcs, it felt very disjointed at times because you had all these little one shot stories and just. It was an overarching story, but it wasn't like you had this detailed three episode hour long story yeah. on a planet yeah, of a campaign sure. or whatever. I guess. Right? Yeah. As long as it suits the story, I'm all for it. Because yeah. I do find when you're w- working with a 22 minute block, a lot of stuff will get cut that probably shouldn't have been or yeah. is just better to keep for flow reasons. Mm-hmm. So being able to actually get in that the extra you know story i think will go a long way so i'm very much on board for that but at the same time if it doesn't need that extra and then you just get filler then because it can kind of go either way depending on what story is being told so yeah yeah for sure uh this episode being called cut and run second episode in this uh in this first season is a bit of an (laughs) hopefully that's not what us fans will do to the series 
Yeah, <laughs> cut and run. Hopefully, oh, yeah, yeah, cut and run. Oh, I hope I hope Disney doesn't cut and run on this season, man. I hope we get a follow up. If if it's not designed to just be one season of a show, I hope we do get some sort of second season if it's in, intended to be that way. But um, I'd like I would to. Think so. I, if yeah, Star Wars Resistance got two seasons. I think Bad Bash can get two seasons. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I think I think if they can make it fly with Resistance, Bad Batch at least deserves three. <laughs> not to, not to say that Resistance sucks. I just wasn't the biggest fan of it. I know you really liked it a lot more than I did. I heard the ratings were bad. That's the only reason why I say that. I didn't actually enjoy yeah. it. It was you kind of had to expect the age, kind of target age going into it. But I enjoyed yeah. it. I like a lot of those old cartoons, similar to the nineties. Yeah. So right. <laughs> Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Um, but feeling cheaper. <laughs> well, it is what like it is. Like the 3D animated. It's a 3D animated. I didn't animated mind it. It's the cell shaded, the 2D. I didn't mind that. Yeah. Sometimes it's kind of janky. I thought it worked better with the characters than the vehicles, but yeah. Overall, yeah. I would have preferred a proper 2D. I always prefer 2D to 3D, and it's just an aesthetic yeah. choice. So I like the old Clone Wars cartoons, but. What I like about these animated shows is that they fill in a lot of the gaps and and that's like it's not the main reason to like them but at the same time even though I wasn't the biggest fan of Resistance nor am I a big fan of the sequel films um, I did like that Resistance filled in a lot of these weirdly enough being in a kids show of all things they filled in a lot of the political gap which was missing from the films and I actually liked that a lot because it gave me an idea for the the relationship and the tension between the First Order and the New Republic and how the New Republic and the Resistance relationship was as well. Because when you watch episode seven, it just goes by so fast, yeah. you know, and then the New the new Republic is blown up. It's like, what is the yeah. New Republic? Like, like you, like you spend like t- 20 minutes watching this movie and then it's gone, right? And and all you get as far as context is like things that the characters say, which is very, very little as far as political speech, as well as the opening crawl and that's it. It's like yeah, you, you could tell boom, they really done. wanted to rush to quickly set up the same feeling that you got from the original trilogy, right? Where you're in this rebellion, yeah. but they had to get yeah, re- get you the there first. And oh, and that's the thing is like they wanted to make it feel like that, but then there wasn't an ongoing rebellion, right? Whereas episode four, it's like you are in the midst of this galactic yeah. civil war, something that rebels have started doing their thing a couple of years prior. You know, and, uh, you know, now that we have Rebels and Rogue One and stuff, we get that more clear picture as to how that whole thing started. But with the the New Republic and the Resistance, it's like there was this tense relationship in this Cold War almost. And, it was, and, yeah. That's how I describe it. And then it. Episode 7 is really where it starts. And then you have Episode 8 following. And then a year later, Episode 9 caps it all off. It's like this entire what was supposed to be this grand finale of a galactic scale war was, was it with all within the events of like a year almost as far as the you notable things just right? dawned on me right now. So I never that, thought about this until you mentioned it right now. But if you think of the sequel trilogy as the cold war leading up to it, it actually is. I bet you they use that as a reference. Cause that's actually extremely fitting because you know, it, it's the same cold wars of States in Russia uh, mm-hmm. between the First Order and the New Republic yeah. up to the point of The Force Awakens where there's kind of like microaggressions, but it's not really a full open war, right? One's waiting for the other to yeah. kind of 
yeah. pull the trigger. And when we show up, it was essentially Russia sending over their nukes to America or vice versa. Yeah, it was the like, it was <laughs> if the Cuban Missile Crisis actually didn't go as as it did right now, we would probably have a nuclear scale war back then, right? Yeah. Like when maybe neither of us would have been born. Who knows, right? So so it's like it's like they took that idea and episode seven with Starkiller Base was that failed yeah. nuclear missile thing. You know, that's something that never worked out. Like the First Order actually went forward with their plans and blew up the the New Republic. So um to kind of get back to what I was saying, I was just like, I like these animated shows in the sense that it fills in a lot of these gaps. And Bad Batch is now filling in a gap, which um, not to say that it hasn't been filled in before. Obviously, Star Wars Legends is a vast place of storytelling. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the canon goes, we've really only had some comic books that take place in there. Jedi Fallen Order takes place five years after the events of Episode 3. You kind of Solo, but it's also oh, pretty, yeah, pretty, solo, pretty late. Uh, Solo is also five years after. Yeah. Uh, Solo takes place in the same year Jedi Fallen Order does. So it's very like this five year absence of almost there's very little, right? There are very little novels, very little comics that take place in these five years. And now we have a new animated show that's supposed to kind of tell us how the Empire really becomes prominent, right? Becomes a source of. But early, of, uh, early, which is yeah, to me early. one of the most interesting parts. Because is, yeah. we're now seeing that transition of these heroes and these clones into stormtroopers. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's that's I think was something that a lot of people have always wondered about and always pondered, like, oh, how did this happen and this and that. And a lot of these fan theories, at least the theories that I've had, which I don't know if they've been worked into books or whatever, which is why these thoughts are in my head. But I've always thought like, oh, they they stopped uh, making clones yeah. because they wanted to involve the people of the galaxy a lot more to really work them into the system, right? Yeah, and, and they are and touching just, on that, which is cool. Yeah, they are. They are. They, they actually touched on that. Uh, I think it was in this episode. First episode, yeah. Or, just or was talking in the first to Tarkin, episode? I think, yeah. Yeah, it was one of the first two, but they, they talked about how implementing people, volunteers into... into uh, the system would would help bring more uh, allegiance and you know and, and that's kind of what what uh, the whole it's like clones are are only obeying these orders now because of this this chip right in their head yeah which i think for tarkin is a bit of a worrisome idea because he's thinking like well if the chips don't work or if they find a way around it like that could, there could go in our entire military force yeah so true yeah, and, and so like, we already idea, know that that can happen. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Plus, they've already got the idea of like, okay, the empire, the galaxy's at peace. Now we can afford to have like roofs over our, you yeah. know, volunteers' heads and give them food and everything like that. That was something that stuck out to me a lot in one of the more recent episodes with these volunteers talking about, you know, uh, it's like, hey, I'm I'm volunteering for the empire, and at least they're treating me better than the republic did, right? No, that's uh, true. And, it's all an illusion. And the all. thing that Tarkin really points out is that they're much cheaper, significantly yeah, they are. cheaper. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because they're paying just some schmuck and not like for a science experiment. Yeah, <laughs> and we we didn't talk about this last episode or like we we're talking about the the opening movie, but Tarkin specifically points out that the contract that the the Kaminoans had for cloning was with the Republic, and now the the Republic yeah. doesn't exist. So that's kind of yeah. their, the Empire's excuse to stop making clones. Yeah, it is. It's a good out. You know, it's it's a good way of 
of it's ruining the contract Camino over. <laughs> like, oh yeah, a lot. Yeah, I would not be surprised if if this is potentially gonna play into the plot later on in the in the in the season when when the Kaminoans start to you know maybe make their own clone army and, mm-hmm. and to fight fight off some of the imperial forces like in the we'll EU that. that'd be cool yeah like the like in the EU yeah clone rebellion yeah, yeah. like a civil right. war or an, even to see Topoka city destroyed because i mean we haven't really seen too much of other parts of Kamino it would be interesting to see if anything goes down there that just ruins the clone facility because by the time of the mandalorian there's some sort of sciency cloning aspect happening happening there with the child and uh you know the guy the scientist that we've seen with the with the cloning badge on his sleeve the the doctor with the glasses yeah so he's he's uh in the same line of work and he's not operating on camino right so no i'm sure there's there is different groups of cloners but if palpatine's already worked with the kaminoans you think he would have them connect to in some way uh, unless they have been wiped out Right. More likely yeah. they were wiped out. More likely they were wiped out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I get when I get an upgraded gear of sweet, I'm gonna have a hot key oh, that man. just press that. Boom, <laughs> just Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or or who who was it? It's actually it was um it was the actor who played uh, uh Captain Panaka. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forget his name now. Well, likely they were wiped out. Okay, I know what that line's from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, anyway, let's start on the list of things that, that, you know, you kind of noted down in this this episode if you got... Yeah, I jotted a few things down. I was watching it, just some things that stood out. And this one I actually wanted to bring up last time, but there's uh, other stuff like, you know, it was more important. What the heck is with the opening font? (laughs) It's so bad. (laughs) I don't know if anyone's talked about this, but the font choice. So it's like Star Wars Bad Batch, right? The title card looks yeah. great. And then they show the episode card with the title for this specific episode. And it's like Times New Roman or like default, default like Microsoft Word. This looks awful. <laughs> I actually didn't notice that. I'm it's really to, bad. I'll pay attention to the next one. Yeah, it's like they couldn't afford anything else. <laughs> Maybe it's just an editing mistake or something. No, it's like, been all three episodes so far. Are you serious? It's I've terrible. Not even noticed. Oh man. Like yeah, that's not good. Yeah, creative choice, I guess. Yeah, use like impact or something. This looks so bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was worth bringing up. <laughs> y- you listening, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking to you or the editor, whoever's doing or, this. Like, yeah, actually, it, Dave's a little less involved with this show, but I was um, kind of wondering about that. It still says like not directed, but like what was it, artistically driven or something. Yeah, Dave is an executive producer on this show. Yeah. Um, the 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 directors are um, well, supervising director is is Brad Rao, and uh, Brad Rao is uh, actually. The same guy who did Resistance, <laughs> ironically oh, enough. Oh, really? He, uh, yeah, he did a, a large amount of... Well, he, he was part of the art department. Okay. And uh, he did direct seven of the episodes. Um, How do you feel about that? He was also director... Oh, he's a director on Rebels for five, Forces of Destiny. He did three. So he's one of the newer guys involved there. 
Um, the fact that he's already a super, supervising director, I mean... For, is that for the whole show or just this episode? That's for... I think... I believe this is for the whole show. Oh, wow. So this will be his first entire show yeah. that he's been the overhead guy. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's um, moving up the, so the chain far, pretty quick. Yeah. And I mean, I don't like to judge too quickly. So far, the show's been great, uh, even though I wasn't a big, fa- a big fan of Resistance stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it's like that was geared for a younger audience. So... I mean, so far, Bad Batch has been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm impressed so far. Yeah, like, I am too. I don't, I don't, I don't like, know. It feels like Clone Wars, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it just feels like Clone Wars continued, which is exactly what you we know, wanted. It's a dream come true. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly what we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so true. I'm very happy with it, where this is going. Yeah. So we have our cats from episode two from the arena. Ah, yes, the Nexu, yes. Um, yeah, the Nexu, uh, the show up again. And actually, it's, wor- it's worth noting, I think a, a big part of what sticks out about this episode is Cutla Quaid. Um, you know, the Nexu is, well, if you want to talk about the Nexus, they're, they're, I guess, a big part of the planet that they're on, which is... I, I was wondering, man. Is, is it Solukamai or, or... I didn't write it down. Um, okay, well, it's, uh, yeah, it's wherever Cut was last seen in season two of Star Wars The Clone Wars. This is the episode called The Deserter. Yeah. Where where Captain Rex gets shot off a speeder and a couple of the clones kind of bring him to this abandoned, well, what looks like a farm. And uh, this Twi'lek wife steps out and, you know, brings him into the barn kind of thing. And I guess Cut LeQuaid, who's a clone who deserted the clone army, is uh, out hunting or whatever he's doing and he comes back late at night and basically comes face to face with himself which is rex and uh, they have a lot of debates while he's there healing uh as to kind of why he left the army and you know he's got his reasonable reasons yeah um, but well, again like I thought one was, thing that stood out to me that was extra neat about that specific specific episode is it's really early in the clone wars yeah it is yeah it, it, it's really early on and and you know years later you know, now we're getting uh, this character come back, which yep. is really, really cool. And and I've always liked Cutler Quaid because he is a very key moment of Rex's life because he's the guy that literally plants the seed in Rex's mind that clones are not just take orders and do them. Yeah. Like he, was, Cutler Quaid was the guy who planted the seed in Rex's mind that being a good soldier means sometimes just doing what you believe is right. And that is the reason why they're so much more superior than droids that just blindly follow orders, right? Yeah, and for sure. And in an ironic way, how stormtroopers are supposed to be as well, right? And so, Cut uh, is the guy that that really uh, gives him that idea and, and almost a, a hope that Rex will be able to do something with his life um, when the Clone Wars ends. And... Uh, in that finale to season seven, when he's standing there next to the Y-Wing and looking at all the fields of helmets like that Ahsoka and him have buried all their, you know, all his brothers, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I think like, oh, maybe maybe that's something that really sticks in his mind is is meeting Cutler Quaid. And, and it turns out that that's exactly what happened, because when the Bad Batch group goes there to his farm, he actually tells them, like, I saw Rex not long ago. Yeah, he said ago. he passed through. He passed through. Yeah, it's it's like Cut was the first guy that he went and saw after he parted ways with Ahsoka after the finale of the Clone Wars, which is crazy. I thought that was very very interesting. Yeah, yeah. and that actually led me directly into a question that 
I had for you is, does that mean Rex is already deserter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say that if he's not already a deserter, he's thinking about it and and playing it safe and perhaps faking his allegiance to this new empire. Yeah. In a way, because he doesn't have the chip. He's one of the few without it. Yeah, you got it taken out. Yeah. And so like in Rebels, though, he does say that they're in this retired state. Where yeah. they report stuff to the Empire and they just kind of leave them alone. See, that's right? the thing that makes me so confused because we have that from Rebels where he says they're quote-unquote retired, meaning that they did serve mm-hmm. the Empire. But at the yeah. end of the Clone Wars finale, he essentially could have faked his death. Yeah, and he could have. Part of the Ahsoka novel was that he did fake his death. Yeah. So you, That's where Rebels throws a real curveball, you know? Yeah, so it's like there's really there's two different storylines there. So I, I don't know right now it if he's be, serving the Empire or not. I think it could be the kind of thing where he fakes his death, but then years later he gets found by the Empire and maybe questioned as to like, dude, where were you? And then he'll make up some story or whatever. And then he'll be like, all right, well, we got some some ragtag clones that have no use to us anyways. We're not just going to kill you off. Let's just throw you on a dustball planet. You can be our scouts there and, you know, check in once every month. And and if you see any updates, pass them along. Yeah. Other than that, have, have a happy retirement kind of thing. Right. Like, I think that might be the situation. And that'll be a good way to actually connect those two storylines. There's because, something yeah, like that. Right now, yeah. right now, there's a bit of a disconnect. Yeah. Which is interesting. I'm curious what they're going to do because one thing that Dave has always done is he's found plot holes and turned them into really good stories. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. D- Dave's really good at that. Um, you know, being an executive producer, he's still got, he's still got more sway in this show than, than Mr. Mr. Brad. So, um, you know, Dave can work miracles. <laughs> yeah. This would be the series to yeah. do it in. And just the fact that yeah. Rex was name dropped. I feel like is probably foreshadowing that we're going to run into Rex at some point. Oh yeah, well he was in the trailer too. We're he, we're definitely going to have him in the show. Nice. Spoilers for anyone who didn't see the trailer. <laughs> 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 Sorry about that. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, I feel like most people listening probably watched the trailer. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's probably either the next or the, the episode after. We'll we'll probably get him mm-hmm. in the uh, in the trailer. And another thing from the trailer that stuck out to me was uh fennec shen from the mandalorian is going to be in the show as well a much younger fennec shen um you know 25 something more odd episodes or well 30 30 years ish younger fennec who's the uh the 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 sniper girl who's helping boba Mm, in season two of the mandalorian yeah yeah so uh we'll see a much younger version of her pop up which is kind of cool you know it's basically mulan from star wars so (laughs) Do you know the, the story of actress. Mulan? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the reason why I say it's basically Mulan from Star Wars is is, is the same voice actress. Okay. As you just said, and, and the story of yeah, Mulan is she pretends actor. to be a guy. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to happen. But no, she's the same voice actress. And, uh, you know, she wears very this this color scheme that's kind of similar. It's like the red and the black going on similar to the, the assassiny yeah 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 i don't know it's just her character just kind of reminds me of Milan. maybe just because she sounds exactly like her but because anyway the same actress <laughs> makes sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah yeah something that i really didn't think about 
but actually makes a lot of sense. And though in the episode it was Omega, it's probably true for all the clones, is they don't really know what life is like outside Kamino in this very medical-like facility where everything is just extremely clean and industrial. Yeah, that stuck out to me too. You know, Omega gets off the ship for the first time she feels dirt. Yeah. And uh, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess... There's no so dirt foreign. on Camino. Yeah, yeah, and it's like the only experience that I've I've ever had with seeing somebody react a certain way to certain weather that they may have seen before on a picture or video, but never actually touched and felt it was when uh, you know I, my family takes in these uh, students from other parts of the world to go to university here, and uh, we have a uh, very close member of our family now who's uh, from from Nigeria. And uh, when, when she first arrived to us, she was just a student of ours. Uh, but, you know, she's become part of the family at this point. But uh, the first time that she ever experienced snow was very interesting because, you know, they don't get snow in Nigeria. So so she uh, her reaction, though, was was it was almost very foreign to me because I just something that I'd grown up with and, and, and an excitement that I hadn't felt for a very, very long time. And uh, this was somebody who had never even touched snow before or anything like that or felt the cool weather and uh it was interesting to see that and and it kind of reminded me of that when i watched omega like bend down and pick up dirt and be so fascinated with this yeah this stuff yeah foreign substance yeah and the other guys are like uh that's dirt yeah yeah exactly (laughs) like what are you doing (laughs) no that's actually like a really good example comparison because it really is exactly that it is like someone who's never yeah. seen snow before, seeing it for the first time and being yeah. confused and like really interested. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's it's such a foreign thing. And then, you know, it's a first time experience for something that's happened. You know, it's something natural. Like yeah. It's a, it's a weather that you've seen and heard about and people talk about it, but you've never actually felt it before until you're, until you're there. And it's like, and, wow, what and, is this? But seeing... Omega go through that it made me th- like think like that probably happened to all the clones at one point so I'm, I was just thinking these clones who yeah. came off this like st- like stingent medical facility and just thrown into like geonosis like this yeah g- this desert and they're like all at war and just this sandy awful climate yeah and just yeah. Not only having to deal with combat for the first time, but also just having no idea, like it, pretty much everything around them, right? Like this environment. Yeah. And it gives you a new outlook on some of those battle scenes from Attack of the Clones for sure. Because it's definitely something that's always slipped my mind up until now, pretty much, where it's like, oh, yeah, like they probably, they would have never, none of those clones would have ever felt sand before nope. or been on a planet that or was even that rock, warm before. Anything. Yeah. And they're just thrown into yeah. that and like go kill robots. I mean, they were they were hype like I mean, they were basically born yesterday. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, they're, it's true. They're they're a couple of years old. I mean, they're they're um, well, they're supposed uh, to be like nine. What did they say? I think it's nine. Half, yeah, nine years old or so. Yeah, something like yeah, that. The first batch. So, yeah, because they can grow human males in half the time. Yeah, so I think takes, I think so. they're supposed to be eighteen. So nine. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah, definitely some of that stuck out to me. Yeah, as it's well. got to be crazy. I think it was briefly mentioned in Battlefront Two from two thousand six or seven, 
but <laughs> yeah yeah the the tomorrow morrison yeah. voiced campaign oh so good classic 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 uh, i really enjoyed seeing um the hologram of this new emerging imperial officer that we have which is now working very closely with tarkin on the military project mm -hmm. and i forget his name now ram what's his name rampant or Ramstein, Ramstein, or something. Yeah, yeah. Right, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, so he's an interesting character because he invented the chain code, yeah, which is something that's very, very prominent later on in the films and the series. Is that that's your ID card basically to get anywhere, you know, and uh, your passport to navigate the empire, get on yeah, and off world. It, it's kind of a tracking thing, right? So they know yeah, where you're going, and, what you're doing, yeah. kind of like if yeah. you're approved or not approved. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, or or if if the the stormtroopers just stop, like, like they could, if they, when they stop Luke Speeder and Moss, Moss Eisley, they could have asked for his chain code right there and then, right? They yeah. didn't, but they could have. And, and that's kind of what it's all, all for is like, that's their driver's license, but across the whole universe and I think traceable. it's even one more than that. It's not even supposed to be your driver's license. I think it's something that's supposed to be tied to like your DNA, essentially. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like your lineage is in there, and pretty much anything about you is like in your chain code, which is which is pretty nuts. And honestly, I'm starting to put the pieces together now. I think this might be a way, possibly a way as to how those bounty hunter tracker things work from the Mandalorian, because we've yeah. always wondered about that. Yeah. We've always wondered like, how do these things I actually think, track a person? I you think know? they even say the term chain code in that episode, the first Mandalorian episode. Yeah. I'm going to have to rewatch that again. Now I only just rewatched the show not long ago, like a week <laughs> ago. I, I kid you not. And, and I'm going to have to go back to that. Here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, yeah, you say I'm, I'm that. To, but I don't know if it is related, though. That would make a lot of sense because doesn't it, would it instantly doesn't know like how how do you track DNA? I don't like, know. Like That's the thing. magnetism. I've always puzzled about that too. And by the time of the Mandalorian, the Empire is gone, so people aren't checking in and out of different places anyway. You yeah, know? it's true. So I don't know. Maybe that theory doesn't hold up very well, but. <laughs> I don't know. It's just questions. The questions I have. Yeah. Dave, answer them all. <laughs> really, whenever we do a podcast, Dave should have to put out a podcast like two days later answering all of our questions. I think that's how this should work. You know what? Dave has Dave has come on the show a few times in the past, but we haven't heard him for a while. Um, I feel like we should, we give him a call? We should get him on here. Oh, give, him should, call. Should, you give, give him a call. Give him a call. One second. Let me, let me call him. You know what? No, I see him at the door. I see him at the door. Oh, what timing? Hey, Dave, what's going on? Hey, come on in. Right, yeah, yeah, just, just grab the microphone here. Hey, Blake, how's it going? Hey, right, Dave. It's good to see you. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. good to see you too. Yeah. Yeah, I had some, I, I heard, I had some questions for you. Yeah, I was looking at you guys through the window and saw that you might have some quests. I just confused faces. So How long were you out there? Come in. Oh, you know, a couple of days. <laughs> days? I arrived yesterday. Man, you're really excited yeah. for the podcast. 
Yeah. Oh man, I go every week just wanting to come back on the show. And yeah, you're a big fan yeah, of Star Wars Escape Pod. I know that. Yeah, it's been a while, man. It's been a while. Yeah. What, what, hit me, hit me up. What's your question, Dave? What is the deal with these chain codes, and how do you track them? How do you track people across the galaxy with this DNA strand or number sequence? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I took a note out of George's book for this one, and I thought I would just wait 30 years to give the answer. You know, it, it, people love waiting for new Star Wars content, and, and I feel like that was the right call. I'll get Brad to do it later on. Well, I, look, I look forward to that day. Maybe you can give us a little, little hint, a little hint to what's going on. Yeah, come on, Dave. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see ya. D- Wait, Dave, 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 come on. Man, your guy leaves pretty quick. Man, he's just out of there. Just just leaves so quick. Did you notice him outside your window for three days? I did not. It was just on your patio? <laughs> just on my patio. There, How did he get nothing. up there? Man, you know, well, you know, he's uh, he's from Pittsburgh, right? So he's Good wall climbers. Work. There's a lot of good wall climbers yeah. from Pittsburgh. They're good at scaling. Yeah. <laughs> he's got like a he's got like a bunch of bunch of penguins on the ends of ropes that just they, they help him they hold him up it's like yeah it's like mary poppins he just I, I, comes and goes when he wants i'm picturing madagascar travel by penguin yeah he's like genius penguins that figure everything out modern day mary poppins dave filoni everybody dave filoni yeah, the other thing similar to chain codes, though, is they're also uh, basically telling everyone that Republic credits are worth nothing and you have to transition to the Imperial credits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I, you know, it's it, it, again, it's so cool to see this like transition period because mm-hmm. like this is something that's just I like to see this stuff on screen and not necessarily always just be reading just books assume, and stuff to get yeah. this. Yeah, just assuming things through sentences and books and whatever. But uh, yeah, it's so great to have like a staple show that's telling the story, you know, uh, really good. Because I'm sure that's something we've all noticed is if you watch the prequels, you get lines like Republic credits are no good out here. And yeah, then yeah. you get to the original trilogy and they pay with uh, with uh, Imperial credits. It's like at yeah. some point, do they just rename it? That's what I had always assumed. But yeah. it seems that there's actually a different, an actual different currency that they're making you yeah. transition into. Well, it's a difference in value because, of course, half the galaxy is probably using some sort of separatist currency, which I don't right. really don't nothing. I know nothing about. But you know, that that's, even that's transition. Yeah, and, and like like anything, I mean, like think about our own real world about when a company gets bought out, and uh, you know that affects people's. Uh, people's uh, stocks, right, in the company, and and that'll naturally play into a a large part of when they have two currencies, two sides of the galaxy, and different e- you know economic mm-hmm. systems, and the empire comes in and blows that all away, and they make up their own currency called the imperial credit. Yeah, it's like like it's not it might it must not be a one for one. That's you what know. I was wondering too, because if it's a brand new currency, and yeah, the the trouble with currency as well, I don't know if it's different in Star Wars, but it, here in the real world, is it has to be backed by something because that's what gives it its value, right? So like yeah. in the West, our dollars all 
backed by oil. It's a petroleum dollar, a petrodollar, right? So it used to be mm-hmm. gold back in the day, and they've, they've switched off of that. So if they're transitioning to this new currency, is is it just like a total fiat currency? Yeah, you just make it up. Yeah. just make up yeah, what it's I worth on the spot. Yeah, I don't know honestly, and that's I think that's where this show kind of plays a little into that. Is like we might not get the full economics of how that system works, but we might get some sort of simple explanation as to it's like all right, bring your Republic credits to this station. We change them over for you and give you what it whatever it's worth in Imperial credits, right? Yeah, and the Empire is not the kind of government either just that's that a lot of work just, though just think of every stall every corner store across the oh, entire yeah, galaxy yeah. having to probably not just relabel everything to imperial credits but having mm-hmm. to actually change the value to whatever this new currency is supposed to be yeah that's a yeah, lot of sure, work man. oh yeah and i think that's why so many of these outlaws are you know, like Rex, for example, he's on this dust ball in the middle of nowhere where there's like nobody. And I can see why places like Moss Eisley become this wretched hive of scum and villainy because like there's nowhere you can't go that isn't the empire, right? And and people are trying to escape that, at least people who are outlaws and, you know, criminals of all sorts, they all end up in the same places. Yeah. And uh, then you get these these uh, these environments like um, like Narshada, for example, always known to be a very very much a, a bustling city, but uh, filled with criminals. And imperial activity there must be pretty lackluster, to say the least, because I think Narshada is in hot space. And if I'm not mistaken, hot space has always been, even in the Empire era, has always been. Uh, a bit of a lackluster area for for the middle for the stormtrooper corps as far as support you know to to represent so you find a yeah, lot of those I think people that's heading to true. places like that yeah it's, well it's a lot less patrolled right and i bet yeah. <sighs> do we know if jabba operates under imperial credits cuz there are still other third party credit systems mm-hmm. or like currencies right because I actually it, it, i actually don't know yeah because yeah. i feel like in all the games and stuff it's always just credits it's all you ever deal with is just yeah. credits it's just credits yeah but yeah we see in that, mandalorian that there's there are different currencies you can get right because instead of getting paid yeah. in imperial credits which mando calls a dead currency that timeline uh instead yeah. he gets paid in um uh, the Moncala Moncala or something. Yeah. Or Moncala. Flem. Flem. Yeah. Well, yeah. The uh, Moncala currency. Something or another. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think it, yeah. And I think that comes down to Moncala. Mar- Moncala honestly has always been an interesting kind of uh, outlying place where they've always defied the empire. Right, like in a way, because it's it's important to remember that the Moncala have always been very closely involved with the rebellion, and uh, in the comic books, more recently with the Darth Vader comic books, they have a really bad relationship with the Empire. Right, like Vader comes in there and he's killing everybody, and uh, you know, it, there's there's something about um, about that planet. I think I never, I, I don't think they ever came under full control of the empire at any point like they've always been 
a little tougher to kind of for the empire to really maintain control. So for them to retain their currency from the old days is a very likely scenario that they were able to do that, hold on to that long enough that it surpassed the era of the empire and has grown into this era of the new republic, which I'm sure in this new republic era, they're, they're probably in the same situation. It's like, do we actually transition back to the republic credit or do we let planets kind of do their own thing with currency and people just kind of trade and figure out what's worth what, like as they please kind of thing. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of like our own planet. Like if you go to Europe, yeah, it's like if you go to Europe, you get your dollars converted over to euros or or pounds or whatever you're you're doing. Um, but I mean, there's a there's a system there to get it converted. So maybe that's how they do it in the New Republic era. Whereas right now it's like boom, everything's on the same coin. Yeah, and you probably got to go through the black market to switch to the imperial system if you're not on it, right? And vice versa, if you want to get away yeah. from it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Because I think imperial credits are also a, a marked currency, so they can be tracked as well, kind of like a credit card. Oh, really? I believe so. Yeah, like I, I think that's kind of the basis for all the imperial stuff. Like same with the chain code. You want your ships to be coded. Everything. I want everything's tracked. Total tracking. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. <laughs> that's yeah. the empire. It's like if Amazon <laughs> yeah. controlled the government. Like that's basically what it'd be like, or like Facebook or something. Yeah. Um, do you have anything left on your on your list there? Or I we do. Start talking yeah. About so Omega? I, I had right. briefly brought up last week or last time we talked about the show uh, some of the commando book stuff and something mm-hmm. that again uh, uh, really ties into what was going on there is in this episode we're going to a farming planet where these deserters are kind of hiding out and they're bringing this kid and it seemed like the plan was to actually have the kids stay there with cut and his family. And that's yeah. exactly what happened in the commando books, except instead of them as leaving right away, like they did in this episode, they stayed there for like a few months or a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just find it really neat. And they're just kind of following loosely the commando novels in this. Yeah. I'm really enjoying that a lot. I thought, it yeah, was it's interesting. Yeah, now that you pointed out, I'm just trying to think it over. It's like you pointed out, and like there are weirdly these similarities that definitely stick out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's supposed to be intentional or if it's just a coincidence or the fact that. You know, if it was know, one, I'd say it's a coincidence, but there's been several. Yeah. Man, it's a question for Brad then. I wonder if, wonder if uh, supervising director Brad would, would know yeah. a little more about, you know. And we do know that. Dave is a, a fan of the EU, right? And he's trying to bring a lot of it back when he can. So maybe yeah, this is him yeah. doing a bit of a, an homage to it. Yeah, it's just like he wants the same, the same story beats. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely possible. Because it's pretty um, similar. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, something you wanted to get into later has to do with that too, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that. Whenever you're ready, just bring it up. All and right, we'll, all right. We'll start diving in. I got a few more. Uh, I, uh, something that actually uh, kind of dawned on me when I was watching it is the the voice actor who does the clones, D. Bradley Baker. Yeah, but yeah. 
he does, does like 90 like percent of the show <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's like three other people <laughs> i think they cut down a lot on the budget for this show just because he's like the main guy he just does everything and it's funny one thing i actually noticed that kind of bothers me is once in a while when they have two of the clones that have the same voice they'll make they'll change one slightly and i've noticed it's always echo whose voice changes because echo and hunter have the same voice well the others all have a slight accent mm-hmm. so if hunter and echo were talking to each other echo's kind of voice the way he sounds changes slightly and it's really weird like it goes more nasally yeah i think that'd be a good way to describe it and i yeah. don't know if that's just so you can tell the difference like that there, there's two people talking but i think so i think so because I, echo didn't always sound like that he yeah he sounds different yeah. And sometimes he, he sounds sound normal, normal and then other times he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. If you compare him to the, the earlier seasons of the Clone Wars, then yeah, he definitely sounds a little different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. But I thought that was pretty funny. Well, just sitting there. I wonder when he's in the recording room, if he's just mm-hmm. saying all the lines at once, if he records all of one character and then the other, or like how that works. Could you imagine talking to yourself like to know. the whole Honestly, way? I, he must he must record the lines once for each I character. Don't know. I don't know. I, he must. This is my guess is that he records the lines once for each character, yeah. but then they maybe they edit them and play them back to him, and yeah. then he can talk. So he to can himself. respond to himself. Yeah, what yeah. That, that must situation. be how he does it. <laughs> Yeah, because because I know that they when they did Clone Wars, that that's how they did it. They had everyone in the in the room together when they did recordings, and that way they could feed off each other's energy yeah. really well, right? So but if there's one the guy. guy doing it, yeah, if it's one guy, they must have a system of playing back what he's just said, and then he's able to respond to that in a way that would make sense, right? That's that's my guess. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's actually the case, but I would think so. Just for timing purposes but they can also edit that so yeah yeah they can and some of the voice differences i've noticed are filters not him doing an accent right so i don't know if some of it's just done in post it's a good question though it'll be interesting to see if his job starts to get a little more condensed because here's the thing about these darth vader comics that i've read which really the Dark Lord of the Sith comics, right? That, that really play into this same block of time is that amongst those four volumes, there is no indication that they're transitioning away from stormtroopers. Like this, the, the story is completely focused on Darth Vader and the Emperor and there are clones in it, but they never talk about the stormtrooper term or anything like that. Yeah. And I don't know how long that series takes place over a group of, you know, batch of time. I would assume that it takes place over a year. Um, so it's possible that this entire first season we won't have any indication to transitioning to stormtroopers in you know the first season at all. Like I would say maybe the second season might get into that. But it depends on how quickly all the they want to pass. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on how quickly they want to pass the time, right? But as as that happens, I would imagine that D. Bradley Baker will have less voices to do. Because right now he's doing the clones as well. Like yeah. the the, no, the normal clones, right? So he's, he's got a busy a guy. <laughs> he's a busy guy. Yeah. 
Man, interesting. I mean, he kind of had done this for a long time throughout Clone Wars, so it's probably not that weird to him. But now that he's playing like all like four four or five members. Yeah, there's yeah, Matt no, Lanter's no, not sorry, around. Five of six of the main characters. Yeah. Yeah. He's not talking to Ashley anymore. He's not talking to Matt. He's not talking to to James. Yeah. You know, all, all, all Tom, like all the all the all the other guys who were doing voices on Clone Wars, like he's he doesn't have them anymore. He's so actually he's just, and he does him. Omega as well. He just does an accent. Oh, they put a filter he? on it. He no. does Omega as well. No, he doesn't. No, I, I thought that. Okay, all right. <laughs> like, funny, what? He just there's no <laughs> characters left. There's just like yeah. the, like the Twi'lek character and like some random characters that show up. Other than that, it's just all him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he go, he, they, they go to meet uh, they go to meet Cut Laquay. He does him too. That's like, right. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> It's like featuring special guest character Cut Liquid, also voiced like Deep, Deep Bradley Baker. <laughs> Just featuring special guest Captain Rex, also voiced by Deep Bradley Baker. <laughs> they can only afford one guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I hope it's Clone get, Wars on a budget. I hope he gets paid for each character. It's Clone Wars on a budget. Oh man, can you imagine? Yeah, like, like ten paychecks. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it makes you wonder. It's like, is he getting paid per word, per yeah. episode, per, it's a good per question. year, yeah, season? It, like, it like kind of goes back to that uh, Simpsons joke from back in the day where they meet the, the woman who does the voice of Roadrunner. And she goes, yeah, I used to do the voice of Roadrunner. They recorded me for it. Meep. I'm like, do you mean <laughs> meep meep? It's like, nah, they only paid me to record it once and they doubled it on the track. Cheap, yeah. cheap beggars. <laughs> Me. Me. So cheap. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we could just oh. double it up. Why don't we pay you twice? Yeah, yeah. So I actually thought it was really cool that we got to see a ship for like impounding other ships because that's never been done before. Oh, yeah. We always just see the the things on them afterwards. Yeah, right? when they're in, in the yard. Them. We never, yeah, we never got to see how they got there. So there, yeah. there's actually a ship, like a, I guess like a tractor beam or kind of like a magnetized thing that just like grabs the other ships and like moves them away. I thought that was yeah. super cool. I, yeah, kind of never questioned it before, but it's it was neat to see right. how it's done. It's neat. Yeah, it's neat world building for sure. Because again, another little gap. Just like, oh, that's how they do it. Like. That's nice to know. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it was yeah. neat, and that makes me wonder. Then, if we do a, another role playing game, to have a ship like that, and we can steal everyone else's ships and sell them the black right. market. Yeah, 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 totally. Every GM loves that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> breaks the game. Uh, just become ultra wealthy. So, was it? just me or did the clones actually start to feel like they're actually stormtroopers here yeah oh no it's for sure I, like i felt that way too you know like you take one look at the the imperial checkpoints and and uh it's very obvious that they're they're meant to be antagonized now and yeah. um you know the bad batch has no problem you know ripping holes in the, these clones like when they need to get break out their ship right like they have no problem shooting up these regs and uh the clones obviously don't really fully know who they are because there's no sense of recognition when they start shooting at them because they're all dressed up in costumes and yeah you know, maybe just true. too far away to notice but yeah it's like it's it's interesting though because yeah they, they are being antagonized at this point in the story and uh we're gonna see a lot more of that as we go by and 
the real transition will come when when they sort out this entire secondary plot line, which is yeah. like, how are these stormtroopers going to play into the mix? And I think if they add Rex to the story, that's going to add a lot of extra depth to it because yeah, really they're shooting their own brothers right now, right? But I think yeah, the thing that makes it kind of a disconnect is the Bad Batch has never felt like they were actually part of the rest of the regs. Right. So they don't have that same brotherhood that a yeah, regular trooper would have. They were, yeah, they were already outsiders before they became even more outs- of an outsider. Yeah, exactly. Right? But if, if Rex ends up joining join them and he has to shoot his brothers, like I think that would cause a lot of trauma to him. Yeah. In a way, I think like the Bad Batch is honestly such a group, great group of characters to fill this story with because they were outsiders before the turn of events and yet they're still clones, but they're outsiders. Right. And now they're also, at least most of them that, that is, were unaffected by, uh, their inhibitor chips. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it makes them such a great cast of characters to have in a show that takes place after the events of the clone wars, but still uses clones as a main character. Right. No, it's a good um, point because like they're clones, but they're not yeah. at the same time. Yeah, 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 totally. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It also makes them the only other exception, other than Rex and you know potentially Wolf and Gregor, if they got their chips sorted out. You well, know, we knew they do in the end, but I don't know how far in that takes. Place. I don't know how far in that is. Yeah, and maybe that might be something in in this first season that we'll see. It's like maybe Rex will help them with something, and then they've got to help Rex take back some of these friends of his that yeah. have survived the war and they want to save them. Oh, that'd from be the neat. Chips, right? Yeah. They're like and break in somewhere. Yeah. And it, it wouldn't surprise me now that they're starting to tamper with dialing up the effectiveness of these, of these things. Chips, right. Yeah. Yeah. That it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me is if they start doing that to every single clone and reconditioning them to be more, uh, more loyal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, that would make sense to me because right now Tarkin's worry is that is that over the events of the war they've become a little too creative and too out of they're they become of radic- too regulation yeah self thinking yeah. right yeah yeah self thinking yeah they've, t- they've become uh, yeah and uh, and be- it's because of the this was actually brought up in the Clone Wars as well It's like that's actually a result of of the Jedi playing yep. a huge impact in the way that these clones think, right? Because like the clones themselves were for everyone else in the galaxy. Maybe this is pulling too much from like also the commando books and stuff, but they were always like taught or like uh, responded to from other people of the galaxy. No different than droids. They were like, like yeah. toasters or a commodity, right? They weren't, actually real people and the jedi were the only ones who treated them like real people yeah it's true they they gave them respect and treated them like people and humans and that was a big part of the clone wars that i really liked how they worked that into the story and uh so yeah it's it's going to be interesting going forward for sure yeah especially at this point and they all start retiring and stuff they got to join regular society yeah yeah that's gonna be crazy but yeah, it, it's it, it definitely these inhibitor chips for to me. I'm like, oh well, if they start dialing up the effects of this, maybe there's uh, the effectiveness of these chips. Maybe there's some side effects 
to uh, to the effectiveness as to whether or not they'll work in the end. Um, yeah, as to uh, the effectiveness as to like it, whether they'll work in the end, right? Uh, with these with these inhibitor chips, and uh, just if they'll cause problems by doing so, right? So maybe I, I Rex is like, like, oh, we gotta we gotta break my friends out, like the people that I actually care about, or something like that. Or yeah, there's got to be some way that maybe these characters will get sucked back into the story. Yeah, it'll be know, something like that. It makes me wonder if there's gonna be a side effect. Excuse me, yeah. to like how they affect the chips. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if something's going to happen. Yeah, maybe so, they'll start, they're mentally going to start breaking down if they start dialing up the effectiveness of this thing, right? Could be that. They start to go crazy. Maybe they'll turn on the Empire somehow because yeah. they were originally designed to be part of the Republic. I don't know. Right. Who knows? Yeah. It's good. Yeah, see where it goes. And so, well, there's one thing I wanted to point out, which I thought was really fun, was... Uh, so the this, this story of Omega through this, where um, I guess the, the Bad Batch crew, they're not used to having a kid around and they want her to be safe. So they decide the best thing to do is to send her off with Cut and his kids, which yeah. does seem like the best thing on paper. And I realized that I, I had seen this story before. They had taken this from Airbud. <laughs> <laughs> with the dog basketball movie where the kid gets this he finds this dog and he realizes that he, he's got to set the dog free if the dog will be a ha- like have a happier life so he tries to set the dog free the dog leaves and then eventually he comes back back like back to the owner just like omega did <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since i've seen that movie man. <laughs> it's a 90s oh, classic yeah yeah they shot them all locally too oh that yeah. was in langley wasn't it it was yeah it was <laughs> that's um, hilarious <laughs> yeah so with with omega now that you now that you've brought omega up let's let's kind of get into this because uh, because yeah first off i mean like she's she is a clone and she feels like she belongs with her brothers basically and uh you know she makes her own choice in that regard. And I think they all kind of respect that when she shows up in that last scene mm-hmm. and they take off and they're like, all right, you're one of us, right? This is where you want to be. This is where you're going to stay. But what I really like to think about Omega is like her, her genetic alteration, I don't think is just, is just female, right? Like, I don't think that, yeah, that that is the only thing that's different about it, right? Well, I think we've also seen that she learns things very quickly. Yeah, all the hints, honestly, to me, all these hints are kind of making me think that she is the first successful force sensitive clone. That's what I'm thinking. The question is why? Because we know she was a specialty bred to help be a, yeah. like a, an assistant in the cloning process. Well, there's one Clone Wars arc, maybe two actually, that stick out to me. The first one, I believe, came from season two of Star Wars The Clone Wars. And there's an arc where Anakin and Ahsoka go off and try and search for all these children of the Force because Palpatine's evil plan is to kidnap them and turn them into agents of evil, right? Yeah. And uh, Cad Bane is the one going around the galaxy hunting all these kids. And, you know, so there's that. Second thing 
is Pong Krell, the uh, Umbaran Arc. He has a vision that he becomes an agent of of Dooku's, right? Or of the Sith, I guess. Not a Sith himself, but an agent of the Sith. Furthermore, we have evidence later on that with the Inquisitorius, which was invented in these in the Darth Lord of the Sith comic books, like these Darth Vader comic books, play a huge part in hunting down the Jedi afterwards. Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Rebels, you know, they pop up here and there. And uh, those would be the agents that maybe Pong Krell was looking at. Yeah, when he, referring uh, to. Saw, it, referring it sounds to, right? like it. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Rex made sure that, well, actually not Rex, it was, uh, it was uh, Dog, Dogma. What's his name? The, the the clone that he was trying dogma. to dogma. Yeah, the yeah, guy, the, the, the straight arrow who wouldn't bend the rules. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. He shot him and, you know, dogma. and so <laughs> Von Krell ended up not becoming an agent of evil after all. Uh, however, Palpatine is the kind of guy that has backup plan after backup plan after backup plan. And as so it seems. And uh, seems like the kind of guy, especially knowing how the sequels end up, seems like the kind of guy that he would want to experiment with cloning of uh, of the Force sensitive, right? The and so thing me, is, I, the Kaminoans seemed like they wanted to keep it a secret. Yeah, it's it's true. Which leads me to believe that perhaps they had their suspicions toward the end of the Clone Wars and kept it a secret that they succeeded. Yeah. Or they just possibly. did it themselves as a test to see if they could. Because there was Jedi, also possible. a Jedi there. Yes. Also possible, yeah. Is they were, maybe they were thinking, hey, we can get a little bit of extra coin in the cookie jar if we uh, come up with this new experiment. It's like, oh, you don't even need to recruit the Jedi to be your generals anymore. We can breed our own. Yeah. You know, we can breed our own Jedi generals. They just and, not, and we they don't even need to be trained by the Jedi. They just learn things really quickly and do things themselves, right? Um, that that might have been the next the next step, the next evolution of cloning is like we can make people with powers, right? Not just people who are extra strong or extra wise or or whatever, but we can actually make people with the ability to use this this crazy force magic stuff that we know nothing about yet but we're gonna we're gonna learn it right because mm-hmm. Kaminoans are all about the science and all yeah, about i think the, they're not the pushing the edge from all the cloning i think that's the canon yeah yeah so far cloning at least from the Kaminoans, have, have always been unsuccessful at producing uh force sensitive clones, clones. With, with well, force sensitive the Kaminoans clones, right? themselves are clones so yeah yeah. However, I think that fact, uh, I don't know if that's actually in the canon or not, but I mean, I it would make so. sense. It's supposed to be the whole it point. It would make sense. Like they, it's, it's EU stuff. I have not seen it in the canon yet, but right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if well, the if canon hasn't an intention. touched the prequels much outside the shows. So No. Yeah. Literally anything to do with Kamino is in the Clone Wars or in Attack of the Clones. That's it. Like there's there's no... There's hardly any substance between episode one and two, which is where a lot of that fact would probably be play into it, right? Yeah. And uh, and then of course they're or already being shoved out the door in this show, which is immediately after episode three. So there's really not a big window of of insight into these to this species. But um, I like that idea, and uh, it would be cool if they actually acknowledge that in the show because um, you know I think that does lead to some interesting 
interesting venues. But but yeah, as far as Omega goes, I mean, I, you know, I've got my theories as to say that she is a force sensitive clone, and uh, perhaps even if she isn't fully force sensitive in a way that she can be a Jedi, but maybe she's just force sensitive enough that mm-hmm. she can utilize elements of the force. Right. Right. Unlike um, in the other clones. Yeah. Yeah. That would make it extra interesting in the fact that that would make it even more like the commando books because the kid they're looking after is a force sensitive half Jedi, half clone. It always comes back the command of books. Dude, there's so much going on here. I'm just saying, if your theory, yeah, yeah, yeah. If your theory yeah. holds true, then yeah. it literally is the kid who's in yeah. the commando books. Right. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I think, I think it's a, a huge possibility. I think, I think we're going that route because that's the one thing that stays true in every element of Star Wars, aside from. Well, aside from Solo, but, you know, we get that appearance of Darth Maul at the very end. So maybe maybe Solo also has it. But Rogue One is the only movie that really made its way through the entire length of the film without showing off a Force user. Right. Well, actually, no, there's that's not true. There's Darth Vader at the very end as well. But it didn't focus <laughs> in on it. It didn't focus in on a Force user. Right. Yeah. Every other element of Star Wars, though, kind of plays into some sort of person who has the ability to use the Force. Solo. Aside from Solo and Rogue One, there were Force yeah. users in it. Small appearances, though, right? Yeah, like Darth Maul or whatever. Something that stuck out to me, though, with the behind the scenes of the Rogue One was the idea behind Chirrut Inway, which is Donnie Yen's character. Um, he is part of the main cast of characters because they wanted the element of the Force, but not necessarily a Force user, but just somebody who could feel attuned to the force right had this ability to sense it but not use it right yeah and again life would not exist without the midichlorians in the star wars universe (laughs) that's a fact right and so everybody's got the potential to feel the force but not everyone has the ability to pick up a, a, a speeder bike and huck it at somebody with it right so there's this there's this limit as to say like okay these people have these gifts but not everyone has the ability to do that. But everyone does have the ability to feel the force. And that was something that I think the prequels um, sort of made a gray area with this very black and white. Okay, some people can do it, some people can't, right? I think Rogue One was a great insight into saying that everyone had, everyone in the Star Wars universe had this ability to to be part of this yeah, this it's almost, thing if they wanted to, right? They were trying to bridge the gap between the original trilogy where yeah, anyone yeah. could be a Force user and the prequels right. where you need to have a certain like blood number count. Like a certain level. Yeah, a certain level of chlorians, right? Yeah, many chlorians. And they've, so, kind of, they've kind of fiddled with that a bit to anyone mm-hmm. can still use it, but to, your natural ability to learn it is like way reduced. Yeah. Yeah, is directly tied to metachlorians. Yeah. So yeah. the more metachlorians yeah. you have, exactly. the faster you can learn stuff. Right. The, the quickly more quickly it'll respond to you. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. And so my my theory is that Omega has this mutation for learning things not only quickly, but she also has a second mutation for feeling the force. Maybe not using it, but feeling it. Because those hints are there, I can see uh, it. We'll so, see. We'll we'll see what happens. But that's my theory. 
maybe what'll happen is Palpatine will find out about Omega and her force sensitivity. Yeah. And that will give him the idea to make force sensitive clones and that'll lead to Snoke. But the Kaminoans will raise their rebellion and their knowledge will be lost. So he's got to refigure it out. Here's the other thing about force sensitive cloning. Okay, now that you now that you brought it up. I was reading I caught up recently on the Darth Vader comic books, the new ones, the ones that take place between episodes five and six. Okay. okay. Because I've loved the Darth Vader comic books. Like I've I've read the first four volumes of the well, the entire series of the Dark Lord of the Sith ones that take place after episode three. I've read them uh maybe two or three times the whole series, all the way through, because it's my favorite series ever. I've read all of the ones between episode four and five. I've read that series once. Very good series. Like like up there with, you know, with the other series I mentioned. And now I've been reading this new series, this third one that takes place between episode five and six and pretty much starts immediately after that movie finishes. Like after episode five ends, it's like, what does Darth Vader do when he's when he watches the Millennium Falcon shoot off in a hyperspace and loses Luke Skywalker, his son, right? That he's just revealed the truth to. And it follows that storyline immediately after and keeps going. And he goes on a quest for finding answers as to who's been sheltering the boy his whole life, who's been involved in the covering up of this whole thing. And he's a game yeah. ready to kill anyone who is responsible for that. Is that what he said? Cool story. Fat to check out Obi-Wan's hut. No, that was the last, that was the last story. That was when he was trying to find his son in the first place. Okay. So this is like after he's revealed the truth, now he's on a quest to be like, my son is weak. He turned down the dark side of the force. I'm going to kill whoever played a part in his life, basically. So he goes off to find whoever was that was, right? And he, he ends up at the homestead of the Lars family, which is like the first thing that he goes to that, that I guess they... He, he, uh, he has an accompanied uh, forensics droid that helps him on this mission. And uh, death troopers. He's got, got a swat of death troopers with him for the whole duration of this thing. He goes to the Lars homestead. He goes to Naboo. He comes face to face with some of the the queen the queen's shadow Sabe, who Kara Knightley played in the Phantom Menace, like the queen's double, mm-hmm. who looks like Padme. He mistakes her for Padme. It's so interesting. It's like amazing, right? And it was such a good storyline. And uh, it gives you a sense as to what all those characters from the Phantom Menace have been doing this whole time, like uh, like Padme's uh, body people, double, like yeah. you know Captain Typho and Panaka mm. or whatever, like all, all those guys. Like it's like what have they been doing this whole time? They're calling themselves uh, Amidalans in in memory of her her life kind of thing. They made <laughs> their own culture based on the uh, the sounds the, like a, sounds like a cult. <laughs> Yeah, well, they basically made a pact with each other saying, like, we're going to do everything we can to to get justice for her death because they have a theory as to how she died and everything like that. I don't want to spoil the whole thing. But after this whole arc is over, uh, Vader gets sucked into this second story where he goes, he basically ends up at Exegol and and like he goes on this journey to find these the, the emperor's new batch of secrets that he's been keeping from Vader and stuff like that. And when he gets to Exegol, he finds all these back to tank things, big the big vats that Snoke is kept in. And he finds all these like early versions of Snoke's. And in a jar, not too far away from these vats, is Luke Skywalker's hand. And so they are using that story. Interesting. So they, yeah. So they basically pointed in the canon now 
towards the fact that Snoke is actually based on the genetic structure of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Which means that Snoke is part Skywalker. Yes. (laughs) He's a a weird... Honestly, if Vader and Palpatine had a baby, that's what Snoke is. Literally. Like, in a way. That's really creepy to think about. It's super, super creepy and messed up. But you know what? I'm kind of digging it. I'm like, this actually makes sense. Do you remember all the rumors when episode seven was coming out? Yeah. One of the big rumors was this... the. Like the movie would open to Luke's hand with a lightsaber, like floating That's in right. space. That's right. Yeah, that was a, that was a rumor, and I, and in fact, I think it's a legit thing. I think one of the earlier copies of the script actually did have that, and so this is a possible play up on that that yeah. itself is is like an acknowledgement to that storyline, right? And maybe this hand was scooped up by by the Empire and. Um, who knows, right? But the fact that the fact is, like Luke's hand is preserved in a thing. There, Palpatine's already like almost right after mm-hmm. Episode Five. A couple months have gone by, barely, and they're already using Luke's hand to come up oh, with man. these these Snoke things, right? And also, I want to point out that in the Thrawn trilogy, Luke has to duel a clone of himself that was cloned from his hand. Yeah, yeah. So, so another element of the eu making its way back into canon yeah and here's the thing about that like not everything from the eu is gold i mean i've never been fond of the dark empire series i've never been a huge fan of palpatine returning Um, i actually didn't mind the palpatine returning clone story i actually thought it was kind of neat especially because palpatine to me has a a million plans he does but i do feel that that comic series actually did a better job than what we got. It did. It did. A lot better. Yeah. To me, I don't think Palpatine's plan to come back would take 20 years. 30 years. Yeah. 30 years. You're right. Yeah. I think that's that's the biggest problem I have with it too. And and also just amongst the films, it wasn't the plan, right? Like the, the, the trilogy never was never planning on doing that up until yeah. like Last Jedi ending. And they're like, okay, let's turn things around here. And that's why even, that, that even, comic made sense. Cause it like, yeah, because the, the weird force effect that you get when Palps dies is the only person yeah. ever where that happens when he gets thrown down the shaft. So that yeah. actually made sense for him to go his, like a, like a Sith magic, his soul was, going to a clone. I always just thought it was the energy from the bottom of the reactor shaft that was just sparking stuff up. I didn't, I didn't ever think that it was his soul, like coming out of that thing, you know. Some force um, magic. Yeah, I never thought it was that. I always thought like it was just a reaction to the because there was something glowing at the bottom, right? So I was like, oh, was he just right. blew something yeah, up be that. and he hit the bottom? But uh, I mean, yeah, that's an interesting theory though. But my my entire thing about Luke's hand and everything like that. Um, it's always it's led me to the thought that the emperor's always had experiments going on with force users, even in the Darth Vader comics that the ones that you read, which are after episode four. Um, I know I think you stopped partway through. It got it got kind of strange when they started implementing these. Uh, <laughs> it's the these, Grievous. These, the, yeah, it was the Moncala Grievous. Yeah, I always get to that yeah. part. I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> yeah, so so he doesn't make it too long. I've done. I've read should, it up to there twice. <laughs> you should push past that. Push I past. Know. Just get through it. it. He doesn't last forever. I'm but, starting to be coming um, a lot about Doctor Afro or whatever too. At that point. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, so um, the emperor's always had these experiments. He's always wanted these agents of evil, right? Some way, some form, whether it be failed, failed Jedi that he's converting into inquisitors or, or, uh, you know, cloning them or whatever, like whatever his plan is, he's always wanted force minions running around that he wants them to do what he wants. Right. And the fact that they get Luke's hand and start cloning Snoke's like that leads me to believe that he's tampered with force cloning before. And I think that's where Omega comes in. I think this was an idea that he's had in his head for a very long time. And perhaps because he's obsessed with immortality, right? Obsessed. Like, I mean, assuming that the tale that he tells Anakin about Darth Plagueis is true, maybe he's thinking if there's not if there's no way to create life with the force, maybe with Sith alchemy and various other means, we can create a duplicate body and then just work on the easier stuff, which might be transferring my soul into another body. <laughs> easier which, which, stuff. Easier <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> download so, it into a brain chip. Just download it. Yeah, yeah. Force download. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I think he's always kind of had this thought, right? And and. Um, Maybe that's where Omega comes into this whole thing. Maybe they'll make sense of it all in the end. I have no idea. Yeah. I think. Lots of theories. Lots of theories. I feel like I need to bring it up just because we're talking about clones and whether we're force sensitive is uh, Force Unleashed 2. You find out you're you're playing a clone of of Starkiller, Galen Merrick. And Darth Vader has all these clones of his previous Sith assassin apprentice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of the expanded universe, you know, legends. It's it's always been something they've worked in a couple times with with the cloning of Force users. You yeah, know? and remained more of a possibility in that storyline than it is so far in the canon. But um, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because it is a very well-known game you know yeah <laughs> uh, you know, even though now the story is kind of overlooked but i do yeah, recall yeah. i don't know about the second one which is when you get the clones but the first one was always sold as the first canon star wars game because george had input on it but I- yeah i i never really that's the thing like this when that game came out it was back in the day in which it there was there was just expanded universe stuff like it was oh, just yeah. the films and that was it and like yeah. there was like games, some games and books they just made it up as they went along it didn't yeah, matter they just, yeah exactly it's like leland chi was the only guy keeping any of this stuff somewhat con- consistent and uh you know that was all we had like was was some bare few we didn't have a story group back then keeping this stuff all tied together and make sense and make it feel more like star wars like you, you got a lot of weird stuff back then um some of it was cool. Some of it was just a little over the top. But, yeah, you could tell uh, they crammed as much into that game as they could. Where he, like, yeah. he started the rebellion, right? And yeah, there's all there's a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah, 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 definitely. But it, it was neat in the second one because I, I think that was the first time outside of a book that we got to see a clone force user, and I feel like it was always kind of considered impossible from a fan's perspective. I'm not sure what mm-hmm. maybe that was just some like rumor that made itself around, but I remember talking to people and everyone always had the opinion that it can't be done. And that's why they never did it in the Clone Wars, right? Yeah. 
I mean, and the Clone Wars directly is canon, and that was directly from George. So it's possible that he he said specifically, he's like, we can't do this. Like, this is not something I want to do with the story. And again, to go back to Dark Empire, like those comics and books and all those early elements of the expanded universe was literally what it is and how it's referred to as the expanded universe is this expansive story of Star Wars, which isn't necessarily as closely supervised as as the maker wants it to be, you know, like this is a, a space where other creatives can tell stories, but it's not necessarily uh, anything that would keep George from changing stuff as he makes the movies going forward. Right. For sure. And uh, and that's what made it the expanded universe. And and and, uh, you know, today when we have all this canon stuff all kept very closely knit together and, you know, all that it's all down to the details and and um i feel like you know this is the era of of just successful franchises like that i mean look at marvel like they've come out with 20 something on movies they've got disney plus shows all the way up to you know 20 of them announced kind of thing and and that they're being all said, gonna be they're not tied to the novels they still have comics and everything coming out that is entirely right. different than their, yeah they're their yeah they're not universe. tied to the novels yeah so they've got a little bit less to kind of, I guess it must be easier going from show to movie to show to movie and so on and so forth. Star Wars, though, they put out less movies, but way less movies, way less shows, at least for the time being. They, they announced half as many as Marvel did at the Disney Plus, uh, you know, shareholders meeting or whatever. Yeah. Uh, D23. Uh, yeah. But they do have way, uh, way more continuity through their novels and books and stuff like that and audiobook specials which now we're going to be getting a third one later this year with high republic with tempest runner but uh yeah so there is a bit more of a back and forth with the storytellers on the literature side and and then the ones on the the tv animated side and then the the directors and the writers on the films and right you know it's there's, it's a, like there's a lot more, more collaboration. moving parts yeah like way more moving media. parts yeah yeah, yeah for sure so, you know, in a way, it's almost more difficult than than Marvel. But, you know, the, the fact that we have this era of time where successful franchises have that continuity amongst the media, yeah. whatever media they're, they're telling the story with, it works out pretty well. You know, like people people like that stuff. And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of it. I like I like it uh, uh, when I see stuff recognized cool. in the. And it yeah. still feels to me a bit like old EU or you because I don't have the time to read through everything that comes out that I still yeah. like stumble across stuff that came out like two years ago. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that happened, which used to yeah. happen with the old EU all the time because it was around for 30 plus years, 40 years. So Yeah, 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 yeah. The EU has been around a long, long time. I mean, you know, first book coming out even before Empire Strikes Back, uh, yeah. you know, it's the EU Star Wars Legends has been going on for a long time. Like it was like a 30 something year old process of other people telling Star Wars stories. There was resulted... a big gap in the nineties though. Late eighties. Yeah, there was. The 90s, yeah, but... there was. Yeah. There was a bit of a space there. Um, not to say that we didn't have things from dark horse or whatever, but uh, there was less there than in other times but there was so much done that it resulted in over 250 star wars novels 
in the EU. There's over 200. I just don't understand. Why couldn't they just kept it all canon? <laughs> over 250 <laughs> spanning the length of thousands of years. Yeah. All the way up until Cade Skywalker, which is like hundreds of years after Return of the Jedi, right? So there's a lot of story stuff there. And uh, there was some weird stuff. There was some not so weird stuff. There was some things that I would have loved if they, you know, kept canon. I know there's Mary things Jane. that, that yeah, Mary Jade, I mean, Thrawn, you know, was brought back. Uh, there's rumors that Mary Jade could always be a thing that returns. Um, it's, I feel yeah, like it's I mean, become less and less likely as time has gone on. But, you know, yeah, I'm still crossing my fingers. They're, they're tired holding this position this long, but... <laughs> still there as as time goes by though we do see these returning elements and i think force cloning is just one of those things that i mean episode nine did a did a huge one on that but but i mean even more likely that that omega could be a force sensitive clone uh, seeing you know, as not only she's genetically modified but i'm just you know, thinking i would have believed luke going in exile because mara jade died more than what we were yeah. told yeah, yes. I don't know. So, dude, anything's better than what we got. <laughs> I mean, anything. Anything. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. I guess um, to wrap up the cloning stuff, I definitely think that could be a massive possibility Yeah. that we find out that Omega is Force-sensitive. It would be curious. I'd really like to see if that happens kind of the lead up to that and why the Kaminoans would try that. Maybe they were just fascinated with the Jedi. Obviously they've seen them around yeah. at this point. Yeah. Maybe they yeah, have I guess we'll... the DNA of Jedi Master Sifo Diaz. Oh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, lots to speculate on, you know, if any of you guys listening want to send us your theories on Omega or anything, you know where to send them. Just look in the description and, all our contact infos down there but yeah other than that do you have any any last things about this episode you want to bring up or are we good i think i pretty well covered it all uh i'm i'm still very interested in this show see where it's gonna go uh, yeah. i hope it's not too much filler it's always very exciting there's a lot yeah. less characters to have stories about than the original clone wars series so hopefully they can mm-hmm. keep it fresh and yeah, we'll see where Keep it goes. It interesting, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, thanks for coming back on the show, man. We'll catch you in the next one. All right. And if you guys have not left a review yet, it would really help us out if you could leave a nice five stars on the Apple iTunes, the Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, or our Podchaser. If, you, if you've gone to Podchaser before, you can leave a nice review there. Even just one or two sentences as an actual like review on the show. Just to let people know that this Star Wars podcast is cared for by us, who put a lot of work into giving you guys some Star Wars content to listen to on a weekly basis. Helps us out a lot, and uh, it gets uh, more listeners kind of flooding through the gates. So if you can do that, that would be a solid and uh we also want to hear your thoughts on the bad batch every week i mean it doesn't matter if you're listening to this a couple weeks down the road feel free to just send in an email tweet you know tag us at sw escape podcast all the relevant info to get a hold of us is in the description of this episode and as always it's a non-profit episode 
We'd love to upgrade our gear on the show at some point in the future and might be campaigning later down the road. But for now, it's a nonprofit and any donations that you have, please send them to World Vision where people could use that money a lot more than we can right now. But again, best way to help us out, leaving a great review. And if you guys haven't checked out the Star Wars VR pinball review, give it a go. If you don't know anything about VR, you might find it interesting. And sit down with us for watching Ewok Adventures with our lovely new commentary tracks. Those are always a good time. May the Force be with you guys, and we'll see you next time on Star Wars Escape Pod.